This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. 8.38 in the morning. You're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Philip C. Now in half an hour, we have the opening bell where we check out how Bursa Malaysia begins the trading day. But before that, let's talk about Chuti Chuti Malaysia. Since the reopening of the nation's border in April last year, Malaysia has recorded more than 10 million tourist arrivals and 28 billion ringgit in tourist receipts. And to capture the post-COVID revenge travel market, the government has been on a promotion overdrive, including sending a delegation to the world's largest travel fair, ITB Berlin, that just concluded. So how does Malaysia stand in our travel offerings? And in another effort to improve visitor satisfaction, the tourism minister has reportedly said that travel operators are no longer allowed to list shopping in their tour itineraries for foreign tourists. With this ban and also the proposal to impose a luxury tax, how will this impact tourism spending and will we see our loss as a shopping haven? For some thoughts on this, we have on the line with us Nigel Wong, Honorary Treasurer and Spokesperson of the Malaysian Association of Tour and Travel Agents, or MATA. Nigel, good morning. Thanks very much for joining us today. Now, you've just returned from the world's largest travel industry and trade show, the ITB in Berlin. What's the sentiment for international travel there? And um, I guess, how would you gauge the level of interest that the European market has in Malaysia's tourism products? Hey guys, good morning. Nice to be back on the show. Um, ITB Berlin was very interesting. Uh, there was a lot of interest in travel in general. We saw a lot of big uh, displays, especially from countries like uh, Saudi, which is really, really pushing for tourism. Um, but in, in short, the tourism market in Europe there is very robust. They are traveling. Uh, and as you may or may not know, we did sign, uh, I think, four MOUs with four different national trade associations. Uh, and all four of them, <clears throat> I think in uh, particular, the Czech, the Polish, Finnish and Estonian uh, trade associations basically indicated that their uh, citizens were keen on going out of the country. And Malaysia has actually been one of their preferred destinations for a long time. The only thing I think we need to do as far as um, uh, our products are concerned is we need to invest a lot more in targeted marketing. Uh, there needs to be a lot more awareness uh, because everybody in the region is competing for the same market. So we need to come out on top in that respect if we're to you know, seize market share. So the products are good, just that the brand marketing is bad? I wouldn't say it's bad. I think uh, Malaysia has long had a very standard way of promoting itself. So we need to be a little bit more fresh. And I think we need to re-examine the way we... Um, market to these different target markets. Uh, you know, it has to be a lot more targeted. It has to be a lot more specific. It can't be the whole general thing of visit Malaysia. We've got, you know, great greens, great food, great culture. Everybody says they have that. So we've got to really look into what the tourists want and then zoom in on that. Can you maybe elaborate a bit on that, Nigel? What do you think the tourists want um, from a country like Malaysia? What do we have that could set us apart from other Southeast Asian offerings like Indonesia and Thailand that already have um, a very good image and reputation among that market? Well, I think um, in terms of products, we don't have to do very much. We've got a lot of new products now that we've come out of COVID-19. Uh, uh, for example, uh, in ITB, there was a big emphasis by the Perak state government on uh, some of their archaeological sites, you know, and there is a renewed emphasis on the Balloon rainforest. But if you go overseas and you look at what uh, the country is promoting, these two items are not on the list. 
So there's going to have to be number one, a lot more focus on these new products to you know project Malaysia as a fresh place to visit. Uh, number two, it's going to have to be targeted, as I said, uh, specifically at different types of market segments. So if we're looking at the millennial and Gen Z travelers, we need to see what they're looking for. They're more into lifestyle, they want to qualitative travel, more into experiential travel. We need to tell them that we have these products. And for the other markets, you know, those that uh, generally look for, you know, well-known products like ecotourism and nature, uh, we've got to tell them that besides the usual orangutans, besides the usual places that we're so, um, you know, fond of advertising, we have all these other places that they haven't been to or heard of before. And so I think that messaging needs to be much, much clearer. I guess, Nigel, do we sell <clears throat> Malaysia in isolation or do we sell it as part of an overall package of Southeast Asia? Because we've seen the Tourism, Arts and Culture Ministry roll out many initiatives, including IMTGT, right, where you kind of try to bundle Malaysia with Indonesia and Thailand. Is it better to just focus on Malaysia as a sole product or to actually bundle it with our neighbours? Uh, great question, Philip. Um, look, while we need to market Malaysia specifically, you know, in order to make sure they come to Malaysia, uh, a lot of long-haul travellers, especially from Europe, you know, they spend a long time uh, in, in the area and one country alone may not be something that they want to do. They may want to see the rest of the region as well. So if we bundle Malaysia or if we put Malaysia as part of a regional destination uh, in ASEAN, for example, uh, that may actually help capture some of that market share that's looking to travel to multiple destinations within the region. So in short, uh, it's not a bad idea at all. Turning to some of the trends that uh, we see could give a boost to the tourism industry this year, I think there was a lot of excitement about uh, China's reopening late last year. But how much has tourism bounced back as a result of that opening? Well, the China market isn't fully geared towards travel just yet. We've seen a lot of business and family travel. Uh, I believe that the China market still requires some sort of, um, how should I put it, uh, permission from the government to travel. And uh, it will take a while before it goes back to pre-pandemic levels. So for the moment, it's still a wait and see. Uh, we are expecting the China market to be more robust once they gear up. Uh, but for now, it's still not a major uh, uh, factor in our current travel scenario. That's right. So China demand hasn't come through. And that's why I'm a bit perplexed why we are seeing hotel prices rise so much. Is this a function of demand supply dynamics or is it an issue about cost of living, rising commodity and prices happening across the board? Well, I think this is due to many factors, uh, like what you mentioned, Philip, you know, uh, costs are going up. So naturally, the prices of rooms will go up as well. Uh, some hotel segments have seen much better, uh, you know, demand than others, uh, specifically uh, for the five-star hotels, uh, as I am aware of. And uh, for many of these hotels, they need to increase their prices as well, not just to sustain what they do, but eventually hotel prices are going to normalize. Now, that, that being said, um, coming back from Europe, you know, if I were a traveler coming from places like Europe, uh, five-star hotels here are still very, very, very affordable. So I think our hotel prices uh, can afford to go up a little bit. And hopefully when this goes up, the level of our service and what we provide, the quality of our service is going to go up as well. Very quickly, Nigel, in the 30 seconds or so that we have luxury tax, yay or nay for tourism? At the moment, we can't say. We don't know what's being taxed. Um, hopefully, if it does get implemented, it's not going to be 
prohibitive luxury tax on the whole, I don't think will affect uh, inbound tourist spending, especially for those on the higher side. However, it could, you know, mute, uh, you know, luxury spending a little bit from all sectors. And this is something that we do need at the moment. So we have to be very careful when, when imposing the sort of tax. Nigel, thank you as always for your insights. That was Nigel Wong, Honorary Treasurer and Spokesperson for Mata, talking about the tourism uh, sector and the outlook that we have here. I'm just wondering whether this recent uh, news coming out of the Oscars that uh, our very own Michelle Yeoh has won the statuette. Is that something that's going to... Uh, not yet. I not think yet. her colleagues have won. Uh, Ki Hoi Kyun and uh, I think Jamie Lee Curtis, they've won the acting supporting ah, okay. roles. Okay, so we're still waiting she for the best won. Actress award, but uh, whether Ipoh hasn't won yet, <laughs> whether that will pro- provide a boost for Ipo. <laughs> All right, eight forty-seven in the morning. We're heading into some messages, but when we come back, we are going to talk about the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. Stay tuned, BFM eighty-nine point nine. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM eighty-nine point nine, the Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.